Hello and thank you for tuning into Sideline Story, your destination for sports news, analysis and discussions. I am your host, Brandon Yates, and of course I'm joined with my regular co-host, Yang Guang. But today we have a special guest joining us. We have Harry from the UK. Harry, thank you for being here. Can you tell us a bit about yourself before we get stuck into these talking points? Well, thank you for having me, first of all. Um, my name's Harry, as you said, and I'm from the UK. I'm a sports reporter and I'm currently here covering a multitude of sports across different cities for the Games News Service, and I'm loving every moment so far. Fantastic. Yeah, I think for everybody that's been here so far, it's been a really interesting and enjoyable experience. And there have been quite a few elements that we've been focusing on in the early stages. I would say we're safely at the halfway stage now, right, young one? Yeah, already eight days yeah, and, uh, but there's still plenty, plenty more to come, but we've definitely seen a lot of exciting action already at this point in time. But I suppose one of the biggest talking points throughout the entire games and in the build-up um, towards the games has been the inclusion and return of some new sports. Any that come to mind for you that have been interesting or, you know, uh, been spoken about on a regular basis? Yeah, um, of course, eSports has been included mm. into the Asian Games official competition program for the first time. And uh, meantime, I think breakdancing, uh, another new sport uh, included to the Asian Games, mm. has definitely attracted young people's attention. Uh, to this event, um, it's yet to be competed, but um, it's already seen as most one of the most um, anticipated about, yeah. sports. Uh, yes, talked about sports at Asian Games. It has become a game that um, um, now the major sporting events cannot ignore anymore. It's also on the Paris Olympics program. Mm -hmm. um, Is it confirmed for Paris? It's definitely happening at the Olympics. Yeah, it's right. confirmed. Okay, I think the Asian Games um, kind of a trailblazer here uh, to try out this new sports. Um, mm. So this is their first kind of um, audition or opportunity to showcase what they do to a almost global audience. So this is kind of like the warm-up before the Olympics, I guess. Yeah, to see yeah. How it, so how far it's the biggest stage for those two yes. sports to be competed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and also, it's not only eSports and the breakdancing. Many previous editions of the Asian Games um, have also included new sports like those unique Asian sports, Kabaddi, Sepak Takraw, uh, yeah, nice. and the Wushu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the Asian Games from this perspective um, do bring people together. Yeah. Um, it embraces diversity and respect different groups and different um, generations' interests. Mm. Um, the return of cricket as well, even though it's not commonly played um, throughout this continent but um it's hugely it, popular in some of the yeah. countries that have massive populations it in represents asia, though, right? the sports culture of some other parts of mm. asia that have um, massive populations india yeah. pakistan yeah sri lanka bangladesh so mm. yeah i think the asian games show that it's an inclusive sporting event um by bringing sports that are popular among different countries different ages altogether. That seems to be one of the trademarks of the Asian Games. I don't know if it's been like this in the past, but particularly for the Hangzhou Games, there seems to be this culture of inclusivity and there doesn't seem to be a limit on the, the number of sports that are included. I mean, I can't think of any sport or nation that hasn't had a say in terms of, you know, obviously there's the traditional sports, but then again, there's also sports that even people from the Asian continent, so like us based in China, for example, have never heard of, but they are now getting the chance to showcase what they do and something that they're really passionate about to a much larger audience. 
And yeah, like some of those traditional Asian sports, that's definitely something that will be remembered, I think, for some time. And um, it'll be interesting to see how other sporting bodies and competitions um, potentially follow suit or, you know, kind of stick to the way things are, are going. But yeah, also the return of, like you said, uh, cricket, breakdancing, uh, well, the inclusion of breakdancing um, and sports that are very popular globally, but haven't necessarily had the chance to showcase what they are about on a massive stage. I think that's also going to be something that is remembered from this particular um, edition of the Asian Games for quite some time to come. Harry, um, what do you make of the traditional Asian sports that have been included and also the return of sports like cricket and the inclusion of something that I guess is pretty universal in breakdancing? Well, for me, uh, as a UK-based journalist, one of the, th the things that was eye-catching to come to the Asian Games was the variety of sports that I haven't heard of or haven't covered before. And some, the experience I've had covering so many different sports and new sports is something that's amazing for me. It's been a great experience. And um, cricket in particular for me as an Englishman or, or Welshman, but Brit, uh, is quite fascinating to see how this, maybe the smaller countries that don't play it as much here. It's been, I've been... I got to go to the first day of the women's game yeah. and it was before kind of like the big teams like India brought their strongest team. They came in, they demolished the competition, like you said, Pakistan, Sri Lanka. We're used to seeing those teams, but teams like Indonesia, mm. Thailand, Malaysia that are kind of, and Hong Kong, China, they're trying to push it in those countries mm. or those areas to, to make it a bigger sport, to challenge the best teams in Asia and best teams around the world and I found that really interesting. Women's cricket in particular seems to be growing pretty fast. It's growing right? exponentially. Yeah. I think a lot of that's actually from the, the new competition called The 100. In the UK that's right. where it's grown. I know what you're talking about. I uh, personally as an old cricket, old fashioned cricket fan, <laughs> it's not um, a format of the game I particularly enjoy but for women's cricket it's been brilliant. It's a good platform for them, right? Yeah. To grow their game. 100%. And it it's, could also lead to the growth of the more traditional formats in the women's game. Well, that's how you get more like my, my sister, for example. I don't know why I'm bringing her up, but she would never watch cricket. I've never heard of her liking cricket. And suddenly I got a text one day, look where I am, Edge yeah. Baston, watching Ugh. the cricket. It's like, what's Crazy. going on? Yeah. <laughs> but then if people watch that, they might want a little taste of the T20 cricket. Then they might want a taste of the one day. Mm. You've got the Men's World Cup coming up. And then you might get more people involved and there's debates over whether cricket will be in future Olympics and stuff like that and if you're getting more attraction in especially in this area of the world where you said massive in South Asia yeah but in different other parts not so big and it's trying to grow then that'd be massive for games like the Olympics and, and different World Cups and stuff so and what's your take on breakdancing well I actually used to break dance a little when I was okay. a kid. Not mm. much. <laughs> and he's going to show us right now. <laughs> but I would, no, no, no. I, I did as a, like, I, well, I think these sports I actually find really cool. Um, mm. Skateboarding was involved in the Olympics last time. Yeah. Surfing, things like that. So the fact that break dancing has the potential to go to the Olympics and it's like a nice little trial thing here. I would love to watch it personally. It's not something that traditionally would think, oh, I'm going to go to report on the skate, uh, on the uh, breakdancing, but it's yeah. actually just quite funky and cool. And I think it's a classic of new generations coming through, but people, especially in my generation, so I'm 23 years old, it's massive. Same with breakdancing. It seems like they're trying to birth these new sports into games like the Asian games and other ones. I think breakdancing in particular is a good one for a variety of reasons. It is athletic. 
that no question, as you can probably attest to, it, it, it definitely requires a. a I was rubbish, by element. the way. Oh, okay, <laughs> um, and it's artistic, so you know that'll also appeal to maybe people that like gymnastics and you know synchronized diving and that kind of thing. And it doesn't require, uh, pretty much doesn't require any equipment or, or funding. I mean, anybody can do it on any corner of the globe. So, I think this Asian Games and then next year's Olympics will be a great platform for it to grow, and. I think it could be a sport that becomes a lot more competitive and professional because like like I said anybody can do it. You know it's it's, it's kind of like football where it's a global game because yes it's a beautiful sport and everybody enjoys watching it but anybody that from any corner of the globe whether they're wealthy or not can play it. And I think breakdancing kind of falls into that category. Young Wang, any highlights so far? I mean we've covered a variety of sports and we've seen some pretty impressive performances not just in terms of like records being broken and medals being won but there's also been some interesting stories as we would often find with any major sporting event like this any that jump to the front of your mind at this point oh uh, yeah well the most um, exciting matches so far for me personally are from the tennis court mm. And I have to say the Asian Games um, are relatively competitive now. Um, prove me wrong, but I, don't, I do think tennis is on the rise in Asia. Um, yes, the top two seats in the men's singles and women's singles finally won the gold medal. But uh, their route to the, the medals, the gold medals, were not easy. Not easy yeah. Were not easy at all. Uh, plus, Wu Bing, um, the only ATP um, winner from the Chinese mainland, got knocked out early. Um, and um, That was a big upset. Yeah. He was knocked out by a player ranked way behind him yeah. in the ATP rankings. And we also saw some really highly ranked Chinese players struggling against players that we had never heard of before. Yeah. Just name a few. India's... Sumit Nagel mm. and the uh, Philippines Alex Iala. I've never heard these names, but um, they turned out really, really good on up. the court. Yeah. yeah, I heard this a lot. Tennis is not Asia's sports, but I think Asia is improving very fast. Mm. Not only in China, but India, South Korea, Japan. Um, they are on a fast lane in tennis development, I think. Yeah, we definitely saw some impressive performances on the tennis court. And I think... It could potentially bode well for those Chinese tennis players that are wanting to, you know, make an impact or a name for themselves on the, you know, the ATP circuit or the WTA circuits and, you know, potentially uh, get to semifinals and finals of Grand Slam events. I think that the Asian Games gave them an opportunity to test their mental strength as well. I mean, we saw the likes of Zhang Chunwen and Zhang Jujin um, in some of their, not just the finals, but even in the build-up to the finals, I think there were stages where they were a couple of sets down or they were in tie breaks. And I think in those moments, talent comes second to mentality. And we saw those two Chinese stars delivering and you know showcasing their talents, but also um, really showing mental strength when the chips were down. And we also saw that in the swimming pool, right? Yeah, um, Zhang Yufei, I mean, um, she's now the most famous uh, swimmer in China. Yeah, as Harry showed us from his reporting yeah. on, on, in the pool. Yeah. And the other day, we caught up with her um, after a heat round in mm. women's 50-meter freestyle. And uh, obviously, she was um, really pale that day. Um, turns out um, she got this throat infection. She could barely speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
um, still, she won the heat round very easily. And, and broke uh, the game's record, right? Broke the game's <laughs> record. That was unbelievable. Beast mode. And she beat Siobhan Horhey, which is no mean feat. Yeah, She's yeah, yeah. Siobhan from Hong Kong, China. She's one of the biggest athletes in the world right now. And How I think old is she? Is she still early 20s, I think, right? She's like very 20, young. Yeah, like yeah. 24, 25, something like that. It's impressive. Yeah, very, very impressive. Six goals, I think, was it? Incredible. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's also something that a lot of the Chinese athletes deserve credit for is that, yes, uh, you know, Team China's been dominating the medal tally. They're on their home turf. They are expected to do incredibly well. But that being said, when you are in front of your home crowd and you're expected to do well, there's so much pressure on their shoulders. Like anything less than a gold medal is seen as a failure, Mm. I think, for a lot of these athletes. So there's that mental side of things. Then they also have to defeat, you know, really strong uh, competition. So that's another thing to deal with. And then they also have to, you know, provide their best performances and face adversity like being ill or you know an injury like when we were watching John Jajen I think there were, it wasn't reported on but there was definitely an issue that I think that he was dealing with because I think he also called a, a meeting with the team doctor during the final yeah right? a medical timeout yeah. during the match so we've definitely seen yeah so we've definitely seen some of China's highest profile athletes dealing with adversity but still getting through that and managing to claim gold medals which I think is a huge testament to their mentality and I think in competitions like this, sometimes mentality becomes more important than talent. And I think that's something that China have proven to be, to be really good at. Any standouts for you, Harry, in terms of the performances? Well, we spoke about Zhang Yifei. Yep. There's also, from, as a Brit, I know I've mentioned that a lot, uh, Chin <laughs> Haiyang. Right. He is, he is trying and getting closer to Adam Peaty's world record. Right. And I knew that was something coming into this games that he was really aiming for because... The Asian Games, especially in swimming, and in all sports, but in swimming, the swimmers sometimes see it as bigger than the Olympics. Mm. Like, they want to win everything they can, and this is something... And break records. Yeah, exactly, and break the records and peak for it. Um, He didn't quite get them, but he was very impressive. And obviously, with Paris next year and Adam Peaty being in a bit of a timeout, he's coming back into the pool now, but he's taking a bit of time off for mental being reasons. It's going to be really interesting to watch them next year. So he was someone that I found really, and also uh, another uh, athlete, uh, Chi, I think it is, or Chu, the backstroker. And then there was also the 100 freestyler Pan, who was yeah. unbelievable. Okay. And he, so he went a 47, nearly a 47 flat, so 47-0 in the relay. And I'm pretty sure he didn't go far off that in the individual as well. And he's come on leaps and bounds in the last year, and he's only 0.2 off the world record that was set by David oh. Popovici last year in Rome. Do you think we'll see improved performances from these Chinese athletes going into the Olympics next year? I think it's interesting because they're obviously geared towards that and they're expected to win. It depends whether against adversity when they've got all these other athletes around them, are are they going to be able to chase them down if they're falling Mm. a bit behind? Like with Chin, he's very good at leading from the front. But he will, he won't, it's unlikely he'll be leading from the front of the Olympics. Yeah. He'll be either neck and neck or just a little bit behind. So does he, that's when you speak about this mental strength. That's when that will come in huge mm. at the Olympics. So for athletes like that, yeah. it's the same with other sports. Because like, the level here is very high at the Asian Games. Like, there's a few countries that are, are really, like China are dominating, but they're not getting it all their own way. And they're, they're, there's some, 
like in the sailing, Max Maida, Singapore, 17 year old, only just turned as well. He was 16 when he won the world championships a few months ago. That's been another standout of the games, I think, is that we've seen children dominating. Yeah. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Crazy. In, in, in a variety of sports too. Because in sailing, I, I mean, I've only really learned about it in this, in this Asian games. Like, like I said, I've yet to learn about it. <laughs> I know it's, nothing about it's sailing. It's really confusing because they just, the amount of races they do to get an overall ranking. He won every single race that he had to. And he, so he won by a stretch. And then unfortunately the last day got canceled due to lack of wind, but he still didn't matter anyway. He was dominating, so he deserved the goal. Mm. But what was he doing differently to his competitors that probably had like 20 years more experience than him? I is, have, it, is it like an athletic thing? Or is I, it don't, a, I don't know. I, he must, I don't know. I genuinely, is it like a weight like thing? Sailing. Like, I don't know. Like what's, what differentiates sailors? Like is it, I, I, I don't get it. And to be honest, I wish I knew. Um, I but it's no impressive. Like, yeah, it's probably. I think a lot of it is instinctive too, because you have to deal with like different wind patterns. Yeah, the conditions are different yeah. in every country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think a lot of it is feel just yeah, feel. Like, I think a lot of it is instinct. Because he's a kite. He does kite. So okay. he, it's a bit different. Um, yeah, but that but also requires like constant instinct because I think the wind's probably chopping and changing yeah. every every uh, second. And I, I have no idea how it works. It's like magic. <laughs> but he's someone definitely to keep an eye on. And actually, mm. another one that I've, I I found really I was really impressed with the beach volleyball duo um, in the men's well the women's in China they they won the beach volleyball against Japan and in the men's they came ve they did very well against Sharif Samba and Ahmed Janko who got bronze at the Olympics they were so they were the favorites yeah and I think correct me if I'm wrong they're the first there's been many teams countries that have won back-to-back-to-backs like or back-to-backs in, in, in the beach volleyball, mm. but I think they're the first exact same pair to do it. Wow, okay. Um, but the Chinese ran them very, very close, like the number one Chinese team, I think one of them's Wu. They were, the first set especially, they ran Qatar very close. Qatar, they're playing each other in the World Championships next week. Qatar is seen as genuine like contenders to go and get Olympic gold in Paris next year. So it's mm. a, to run them like they did in that first set and it just proved in the end that Qatar had that winning mentality or that champion-like mentality mm. and came out on top just in the first set and then in the second set they ran away with it a little bit but the fact that they even ran them that close I think was a testament to them and proves how far they're coming because beach volleyball is not a big... No. I, I think it's coming a long way but it's not a big um, sport in, especially in China or in surrounding countries mm. um, so it was quite interesting to see how they fared just had a thought now Yang Guang because Harry mentioned that Team China is dominating and they are facing pretty good competition but they're not facing the level of competition that they will face at the Olympics not yeah. not in in some sports yes but in the majority of sports I would say that China have been expected to not just win but dominate and clean sweep as we've seen with the medal tally I think there are 100 medals ahead of um, their closest rival which I think is Japan yeah in the medal Japan. standings yeah, yeah. When you get to a competition like the Olympics and you have all of that confidence going into that competition, but you haven't faced Europe or the United States or Africa or anything like that, is that something that could either, would that, is that confidence going to benefit them going into the Olympics? Or do you think that that level of confidence and success at the Asian Games will potentially put them on the back foot at the Olympics because they believe that they are the greatest? I think it depends on which sport we're talking about. Mm. Like in badminton, South Korea just beat China in the women's team event right. final. So it, were, it was a match China should definitely take notes from. Um, 
in terms of their preparations for the、mm. Paris Olympics next year. But in other matches, I mean, in swimming, yeah,、um, it's highly competitive, but it's not as competitive as in the World Championships or next year in Paris. But I think, yeah, Chinese swimmers they did quite well in terms of reaching their own limits. Yeah,、um, and for, and. Getting through adversity as well. well they've come a long way. They no, really have come a long way. It seems like Team China、years. also appeared out of nowhere in the swimming pool. I think in like the last decade. I don't remember ten years ago China really being dominant. In yeah, London twenty twelve. I think of like Australia or the States, or、mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden China's just cleaning up. Yeah, the, in London twenty twelve, they had they had a really like. Well, there's obviously Sun Yang who's、mm-hmm. been suspended for a few years, but he'll be coming back in the next few months. And they had athletes was that really came through. I think the last, I'd say between 20 Rio, they didn't have the best performances, and then those few years, like they've gone back down. But then suddenly, in the last two or three, they've really literally、uh, yeah. come through. Like,、yeah. like, like we said, Chan Chin. There's so many athletes that are coming through and testing the world's best, and I think that will be interesting because they've come so far in the short space of time. If they come even further in the next year, like Pan, he could win the hundred freestyle. The、yeah. There's no reason why he couldn't, and obviously. They've had for Quoker, where Chin won the treble, so he won the fifty hundred to a breaststroke. So he's proven, obviously there was no Adam Peaty there, but he's proven that he can do it against the world's best. So I think, I think they can gain confidence personally from、yeah. us to take it in next year because they're only improving; they're on an upward trajectory. I also think that the athletes that have dominated and know that they're not up against their biggest global competitors, I think they're smart enough to know that by the time they get to the Olympics, it's a different ball game. They need to start from scratch, and even once this competition is over, they know they need to get straight back to training and start preparing.、Yeah. They'll be like, "That was great! Like we've won the medals and we did well and、mm. we performed in front of our home crowd, and that was wonderful." But now we really need to start from scratch and put those medals in our cabinet at home, and prepare for to come up against the world's best, not Asia's best.、Mm. And you hope that、uh, Team China and all Asian athletes are, you know, taking this as an opportunity to gain confidence and, you know,、um, win some medals and perform well. But you would assume that this, at that level of elite athleticism. That they will know that. Look, the Olympics is probably a step up, but like Harry said, it depends on which sport because we do have some of the multiple of the world's best athletes competing in certain sports like swimming and a couple of, and badminton and a couple of others. Yeah.、Um, the Hangzhou Asian Games in China, Yangguang.、Um, I suppose it's something that we've been talking about for the last three months since I've arrived in Beijing. It, it was made clear to me, like pretty much when I arrived, that we're going to the Asian Games. Um, and I didn't know it was something that was this well supported on the Asian continent because coming from Africa, we do have an African Championships and we send a contingent. South Africa sends a contingent every, you know, four years or whatever it is, but it's not really reported on. It's not watched. It's it's televised, but it's not one of the most important events. But in China, the Asian Games is, I think, almost at the same level in terms of、um, viewership and support and excitement as the Olympics. So how, prior to me arriving in China, and since I have arrived, what has the reception been like, not just in Hangzhou but in the whole of China?、Um, yeah,、um, definitely the Hangzhou Asian Games is now a huge thing in China, especially now people are enjoying、um, their holiday time. Has it、um, always been though, like just even before Hangzhou?、Uh, yeah,、like、with Jakarta I mean, and I mean, especially the previous two times when China hosted the Asian、yeah. Games、um, in Guangzhou and Beijing. Uh, but other than that, Jakarta 2018 was、um, almost in the same scale、mm. uh, in terms of viewership. 
Do you think that's because of past Chinese success at Asian Games, at previous events that weren't necessarily in China? Partially, uh, but I still think the new sports brought many Chinese viewers to it.、Mm. But generally,、um, like in table tennis, badminton, swimming, China also did quite well. And、uh, I would say every Chinese would love to watch、uh, sports action, whichever sporting events, major sporting events it is. But uh, um, I think um, here in Hangzhou、um, this time, I can literally tell、um, there are more spectators than even a few days ago. I tried to take subway、um, the other day to return to the media village、right. from the main media center, where a lot of competition venues is also located, and the people were returning、um, from the games.、Um, I'm telling you, the station was so packed, and、uh, I don't even know I could. Get on the train. The not, stadiums、uh, have been packed too, right? The ones that we've been yeah, to. It's, yeah, it's like Coldplay was playing nearby. <laughs> Coldplay. Let's <laughs> say、uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, rather.、Uh, and the news reports <laughs> have it that、uh, to meet the high demand for watching Asian Games, Hangzhou organizers have released another three hundred thousand tickets across、wow. different sports to the public. And、uh, if you if you check the tickets on Alipay now, and、um, it's not available already. And for those watching on TV,、uh, I think there's a dynamic change as well.、Uh, people used to count the gold medals a lot, especially at the Olympics, but now they seem to care for gold medals less. Not because gold medals don't matter anymore. Just because China keeps winning them, so they're <laughs>、yeah. looking for something yeah, else、do. to focus on. Yeah, they're like, ah,、oh, another gold medal. Who cares? Yeah, but gold <laughs> medals are not.、Uh, at least.、Um, No longer the most important、right. thing.、Um, <laughs> exciting sports action, good sportsmanship, and those touching moments on and off the court. I think Manchester City is going to get to that、stage. point at some time when they're、I、just so、not. used to winning titles that they're going to start <laughs> looking for something else to focus on. Let's talk about Pep Guardiola's outfits. Yeah, it's a lesson <laughs> you might be interested in. If he dresses、learn. better this year. <laughs> Yeah, especially for the Asian Games,、uh, where China basically dominates the medal tally every time. What people care about more、uh, now are not only on the medals, but、um, what happens behind medals,、mm. uh, or even those who don't win medals. Do you、um, think that's linked to social media? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, especially when the audience of the whole Asian Games is much younger. Yeah, and I think social media gives fans the opportunity to see. Elements of a major sporting event that previously wasn't available. You、mm. know, back in the day, you would just see or hear what happened in terms of like the actual events. But some of the little nuances and moments that happen either, you know, prior to an event or just after an event, or sometimes even like on the sidelines of an event, it wasn't really reported on. Whereas、mm. now, with so you know, every technically every spectator is a journalist. Yeah, exactly. You get、exactly. to see a lot of elements that you previously wouldn't have been had access to. Yeah, what's on trendy on social media, especially on Chinese social media、mm. platforms, are、uh, those stories behind the scene. Yes, what a character the athletes are.、Um, uh, people now talk about Vietnamese table tennis players asking for Marlon's autograph、uh, <laughs> right after the matches. Legendary gymnast、um, Chusovetina competes at age of forty-eight. Wow.、Um, and the only Maldives. Her and Cristiano Ronaldo have the same diet and trainer, probably. Yeah, and、uh, the only Maldives swimmer competing for this, for his third Asian Games, but has never reached the final. Or this game stories with a human touch. Yeah, yeah.、Um, or that are interesting to know are popular in China now. That's always, you know, I think a special 
side of something like the Asian Games or the Olympics is that, yes, we look forward to seeing people winning gold medals and breaking records and that kind of thing. But I think a lot of iconic moments that we've seen over the history of these events is actually not linked to a world record or a gold medal. It's normally something that, you know, pulls at the heartstrings or kind of is something that non-world-class athletes can relate to. I think a lot of the trending topics is, is, is things that we see that we can relate to on a human level. Mm. And I think that's something that's... I, I suppose we have seen one or two moments at these Asian Games, like you mentioned, but we'll probably see a lot more in the, in, in the coming days. Harry, of course, you know, the Asian Games, I suppose, isn't necessarily that widely viewed in the UK, but how, how has that experience, you know, attending and watching the Asian Games been for you and maybe some other, you know, UK journalists that you've been interacting with? Well, yeah, so when I kind of got the call to do this, um, I hadn't, I'd heard of the, everyone's heard of the Asian Games. Right. Mm. Like, you know it's a thing, but you've never really watched it or taken not saying taken interest in it, but kind of really dived into what's what going on. Mm. I, with swimming, I knew what was going on because obviously covering it, and I used to be an athlete myself. Which sport? I, swimming. Oh, oh, really? I was a swimmer, okay. yeah. <laughs> um, so I kind of always knew what was going on in the Asian Games swimming pool. Um, but I come, it came over. I was really interested. I was really excited about it. My mates couldn't believe that I'd managed to get a gig here, <laughs> to be honest. And... Uh, honestly, I've loved I, I've loved every moment of seeing all these different sports and the experience. I think when I, I interviewed, I spoke about the Qatar duo in the beach volleyball, yeah, Sharif yeah. Samba. When I was interviewing him, he was like, this feels special because it feels like an Olympic Games. The way it's been organized, it's this, the amount of stadiums. Mm. The and the scale. Yeah, it's yeah. massive. And like the quality of the sports is high enough. And then you've got the literally, like I was in Ningbo the other day. Mm. And I've been to Shaoxing, I've been to, and in Hangzhou, there's buses take 60 minutes to get places because of how, and I've heard it's been, it's a small city in China, which is mental to me because it yeah. feels bigger than London, that's which been is the, our biggest That's city. been the biggest cultural shock for me coming to China. It's just the <laughs> scale of this country is, it, it blows the mind. It's crazy. And, and so I think that's been the biggest compliment I can give is it does feel like I'm reporting on Olympics at times. Like... The, the the hockey yesterday I was I was expecting so I've reported on the Commonwealth Games before which isn't the biggest thing it's kind of big but it's and I I love it and well I like I, well, I love reporting on it and and I love the sport and, and stuff there it was a great it's got a great history too yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah but this is just another level yeah like it just is and I think to me that's been the biggest and all the sports I've seen and. And the state, like the hockey yesterday, I was expecting to have temporary stands and it's a full scale, massive stadium. Mm. It was like, I don't know if you've ever, I'm a massive football fan, Marseille's Velodrome, it's yes, called. Yeah, yeah. It felt like that with the, the arch and it was massive. And, I, and you've got the clusters and the table tennis arena is humongous. And it's things like that that just blow my mind when you turn up to, and the amount of football stadiums, the high level football stadiums that are here, they all, they all have running tracks around them, which is not something I'm used to, but... Uh, they are still amazing and yeah. the, it, that's been that's what's blown my mind I think to be honest yeah I think Hangzhou and China in particular deserve a lot of credit for the amount of investment and infrastructure that's gone into mm. the Asian Games but also I think just the Asian continent as a whole can also be proud of the fact that they've got this comp continental competition and they don't see it as you know second best to something like the Olympics or you know any other sporting competition it's something that they really prepare for really look forward to every four years and 
the level of competition, the level of participation, the level of fandom, I think it's something that Asia can definitely be proud of because, you know, like I've said, Africa, Europe, we don't really, we've got sporting events for specific sports that are huge, but in terms of like athletic competitions where you have a variety of sports, there's nothing really as big as this um, besides the Olympics, you know, anywhere else around the world. So I think that's also something that um, Asia and China just for, and Hangzhou just for this year should be very proud of. Because, I mean, even Hangzhou, for example, it, it seems like with all of the posters and new buildings and, you know, all of the ho- entire city effort that's gone into preparing for these games and also making everybody feel welcome, it seems like... Um, the whole of Hangzhou was built just for the Asian yeah, Games. Honestly, <laughs> so, it's crazy. Yeah, so the, the city and um, the country definitely deserves a lot of credits um, for putting on an outstanding game so far. And I think we still have plenty of exciting action to come. But that is all we have time for on this week's episode of Sideline Story. Thank you so much for joining us. And we will be back next week with our latest topic. And we'll see you then.